In Luke chapter 1, from verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favour, favour with men, with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the ancestor David. And he will reign all over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? How can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And you and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the Word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have, may everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. As Mary said, let your will be done in my life. And Lord, I pray that you will speak to us. Speak to us through your word. Let your anointing come. Open our hearts. Open our ears to receive your word. Holy Spirit, we just say, have your way. Have your way. Have your way, Jesus. Be exalted. We lift up your name, for there is no other name, the name of Jesus. There is no other name above all the name, the name of Jesus. We exalt you. We glorify you. We lift your name up high this morning, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Wonderful. What an amazing presence of God here this morning. Amen. I'm actually thinking, what do you want me to do, Lord? <laughs> but you may be seated this morning. Created, amazing. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be able to share the word. And I'm so humbled by the opportunity that I have this morning. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us wants to encourage us, wants to activate us and propel us into a God-given purpose and destiny for each one of us. Amen. I'm speaking about a woman whose world changed forever. 
And you probably guessed that her name is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I believe that God wants to teach us something new this morning. So let's go and see what the Holy Spirit does. Amen. And Luke chapter 1 from verse 6, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, there was Mary's cousin. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a village in, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. And the angel appears to Mary, and she, and she was engaged to be married to a, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. In other words, she had a plan. She knew what she was doing. She was preparing for her wedding. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and what disturbed. Mary tried to think of what in the world could this angel mean. And if you don't know, um, you may know. In the Hebrew tradition, normally uh, when they were teenagers, 14, 15 years old, they will normally be ready to get married. And so we have here a teenager. She is betrothed to Joseph. In other words, she's literally ready to be married, just needed to be consumed. If I was her and if you in your shoes, you're probably just getting ready for the big day. You know, scrolling through down Pinterest, finding out what kind of flowers I'm going to have, right? Very important. The cake, what kind of cake I'm going to have and uh, decorations and so on. I'm probably, you know, sitting up at night just working out what my new surname was going to be like. Mrs. Joseph, the carpenter. Do you know what I mean? So she's probably thinking about her future. She's probably thinking, how is this going to, how am I going to organize my day? She's thinking about babies. But God... God interrupts her plans and completely throws her world upside down. You see, what we see as an interruption, God sees as an invitation. God was inviting Mary to join him into something that she would have never dreamed of. God is inviting us to join him in something higher, in something bigger, in something that he has purpose for you, in something better than we could have ever imagined. And I think about how God interrupted Moses. He's just tending the sheep in the desert, and then he sees the bush, the burning bush, and, and a voice comes out from that bush, and it says, Moses, there is more for you. There is more in you. I'm calling you to deliver my children, the people of Israel, out of slavery. Can you imagine what Moses is thinking? What is going on here? Can you imagine, if I think of Jonah, when, he got, when God began to call Jonah, he's just going about his own business, and, and, and God is saying, Jonah, I need you to be my mouthpiece to the people of Nineveh who are wicked, and unless they change their hearts, unless they come back to me, I'm going to destroy that place. Can you imagine what Jonah was thinking? And some of you know the story. He jumps into a boat. He goes to a complete opposite direction of where he was supposed to be. And as you know, he goes into the boat. The boat wrecks and a big fish swallows him up and takes him to where he's supposed to be, where God wanted him to be. And God is saying, Jonah, I have a bigger plan for you. 
I think of Saul, who's on his way to Damascus. He's been arresting and killing Christians. And God interrupts his plans. And he says, I have something special for you, Saul. You see, for all of these people, it was probably, it was probably very inconvenient. They never thought that something like this would, have, would take place in, in their agenda and their, their plan and their lives. The same is with Mary. Mary, talking about a teenage girl, nothing extraordinary about it. She was an ordinary girl with a willing heart to do something significant for her God. You see, you don't need to, you don't need any great ability. You just need God. You just need availability and a willingness and obedience. You just need to be available to God and to have a willing heart. God is looking for people that will say yes to Him. God is looking for people that will have the faith to believe that He is who He says He is and He will do what He says that He will do. So the angel comes to a teenage girl and He says, Will you accept this divine assignment? The angel says to Mary, You have found favor. You are highly favored, Mary. And as we know, the her lie was about to turn upside down. You see, some of us, we think that God has left us because our lives have turned upside down. But God is saying, it's not like that. It's not a sign that you don't have my favor. It's a sign that you might just have it. The angel of the Lord said, you have found favor. So this is what's going to happen, Mary. You're going to be overshadowed with the Spirit of God. And you're going to have an immaculate conception. And you're going to have to tell Joseph. Can you believe that? And she's thinking, okay, how on earth am I going to do that? This is what's going to happen. So this is what happens when you start getting pregnant with a God dream. It's about to mess, mess up your life. So imagine she had to go to her parents. She could have been ostracized from society. She literally could have been stoned to death. And, and so the angel of the Lord says, fear not, Mary. And Mary's going, really? I might just lose everything, let alone the fact that I have to carry God the saviour of this world, you're telling me not to be afraid? And my fiancé might, might leave me, my parent may disown me, and my community may ostracise me. No wonder he's saying, fear not. For many of us, the thing that holds us back from doing what God has called us to do and bringing, forth into, and bringing God forth into our generations is what we are afraid and, and, and what will cost us. Because, you know, church, it will cost us a reputation. It will cost us something. It will cost us even relationships. So we are paralyzed and we are crippled by fear. A four-letter word, a very tiny four-letter word, but it has so much power if we let it. Have you ever been paralyzed and crippled with fear? Has fear ever limited you from trusting God? Have you experienced overwhelming fear? I know that I have. Not only once, but many times. But one of the times that I have, I, I, I had a, a terrible pain 
and my tooth. And uh, terrible toothache, and that ended up in the hospital. But what happened, I ended up getting a very, very sore earache as well. And the doctors wasn't quite sure what was going on. The next day, I went to one of the specialists, and they said, we have done some tests, and unfortunately, you have lost, somehow, you have lost 70% of your hearing. And again, I'm saying to God, what on earth is going on here? What, why? What is going on here? And I remember during that time, we had to go to a pastor's conference. And during that time, I said to my husband, I don't feel well. I don't feel well. You need to take me to the hospital. It feels like I am going. It feels like I'm dying. I can see everything just closing up. I can't breathe. You need to take me to the hospital. And I remember just seeing myself leaving. I said to my husband, I need to ring my sisters. I need to ring my family. I need to say goodbye to them because I can see myself going. Fear had crippled me. Fear had paralyzed me. And two weeks after that, two weeks after that, I had to find out Because the, the, the specialists actually said that there was nothing they could do. The only thing was that I had perhaps maybe a tumour in, in my brain. So fear had paralysed me when that thought came to my mind. But two weeks after that, I went to the doctors and they realised there was no tumour. I was freed. And 2 Timothy says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Our will has gone as spiraling out of control, and fear and, and terror are creeping people. Do you know that fear can hinder, can hinder you, can limit you, can even change the course of your life? Do not fear. It is not a suggestion. Fear not. It's an instruction. 365 times the word fear not is in the Bible because God knew that we needed to hear it every day. Fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And so the angel of the Lord says, fear not, Mary. You're not going to be able to work this out in the natural but make sure you're not afraid because fear will cause you to say no when God is saying yes. Church, what is the fear that has caused you to step back? What is the fear that has caused you not to take a risk of faith and do the, thing that, the things that God has called you to do? Has your life stagnated because of fear? Fear doesn't only hinder you. It causes you to make decisions contrary to the word of God, contrary to the will of God for your life. You need to understand that when you say yes to God, your life will be interrupted, just like Mary's. Because God comes and interrupts our personal plans with his purposes. Mary was on her way to get married to Joseph. She wasn't planning to get pregnant by divine conception. That wasn't in her plan. 
So he's saying, angel, the angel is saying, fear not. Fear not for I'm with you. Fear not because I have called you by name. Fear not because I have, because you are my child. Fear not because when you walk through the waters, I will, you will not drown because I will be there. When you walk through the flames, you will not get burned because I will be there. Fear not. It is not about what we, can, we cannot do. It is not about what we can do. It is about what God can do and who God is. It is not about my limitations. It is not about his supernatural. It's about his supernatural abilities. He is the God of the impossible. Impossible if where God starts. Miracles are what it is what he does. You see, it's not about if you are talented enough, gifted enough, resourced enough, educated, educated enough. But when you get to a place, there is no human way. He jumps in. He comes in. Because he says, I operate in the currency of the impossible and miracles. That's what God does. And so he's saying that to Mary, Mary, I didn't ask you if this, if this was possible. I'm just asking you for you to say yes. He's not asking us, church, if it's possible. Impossible is his forte. He's just saying, will you say yes to looking like a fool today for his sake? Will you choose to surrender to his will. You see, some of us haven't been stepping out of faith for years. We stepped out of the boat maybe once, but now our life are so manageable, are so controllable, we don't even need faith to live it. Perhaps God is asking you today, will you step out of the boat and say yes? Will you surrender to his will and purpose for your life God may be asking you, will you carry me to your generation again? And to do that, you may need to be prepared to look like a fool in men's eyes, just like Mary, because that's what Mary did. She was prepared to be rejected from society. She was, she was prepared to, for people not to understand. But, you know, there is a message for all of us in this. All the way through the Scripture, God used incredible men and women Ordinary people, but they were willing to be fools for the sake of the kingdom. Can you imagine how foolish Noah looked when he was building an ark? And the people around him would say, what are you doing, uh, Noah? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? What are you building it for? Because the rains are coming. What's the rain? You see, Noah did what God asked him to do. God may instruct you to do something specific, which makes no sense. Yet, we can trust him because he's got the bigger picture. We just need to surrender and be obedient. Can you imagine Moses? There's a Red Sea in front of him and the Egyptian army behind him, and he's got a stick. What are you going to do, Moses, with a stick? I don't know. And sometimes that's, that's, that's us. I don't know. I've got this, but I don't know what to do with it. So Moses, she's saying, I have a stick. I'm holding it up. God, you better show up. Can you imagine how foolish the Israelite looked walking around the walls of Jericho? Can you imagine what the enemies were saying? What on earth are they doing? 
How foolish the devil looked with his little slingshot in front of a giant, in front of Goliath. Can you, how foolish that Mary looked being a pregnant virgin. How foolish that the wise men looked as they were looking for the Messiah and following a star. How foolish that Peter looked as he stepped out of a boat onto the water. How foolish would the woman with the issue of blood have looked as she reached out to touch the hem of his garment. How foolish that Paul and Silas looked, chained in prison, singing how great they are. How foolish did the little boy look with five loaves and two fish and with 15,000 people around him? And some have said, how foolish that Jesus Christ looked as he hung on the cross and people ridiculed and mocked and scorned. That's the king of the Jews? Is that the Messiah? Is that your Messiah? But nobody has ever done anything significant without daring to look foolish. God is saying, is there anyone that is willing to look foolish, to birth me into their world? Is there anyone that is willing to trust me and to step out in faith? Because if you do, we might just see that kind of a result that these people saw in the Scriptures. They were prepared to look foolish for the sake of the Gospel. You see, Noah and his family, they were saved from the flood. Moses did see the, the Red Sea part. The Israelites saw the walls of Jericho come down. David defeated Goliath. Mary did give birth to Jesus. The wise men found the Messiah. The woman with the issue of blood, she was healed. Paul and Silas, they were set free as they were singing and worshipping. The little boys with the lunch did feed more than 5,000 people. Jesus Christ got off that cross. He rose from the dead. He defeated hell. He defeated death. He holds the key to hell. And in the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is inside of us. And God is saying, would you dare to look foolish for the sake of the gospel? Mary was willing to risk it all to birth the incarnate God to the world. Would we, the church of Jesus Christ, be willing to risk it all to carry the Spirit of God into our lost and broken world? Church, our world is desperate. Our world is desperate. They're tired of just hearing about it. They want to know what this is Jesus Christ all about. They want to see the reality of Jesus Christ. And you and I can do that. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ already lives inside of you and inside of me. I want to remind you this morning that we serve a mighty God who is above all fear. When He stands with us, who can stand against us? I want to encourage you to step out in faith. Surrender to Him so that you can fulfill your purpose in Him. I want to remind you of the promises that you have in Him. Actually, I remember Pastor Oral last week, he preached about who is this Jesus. And this morning, I want to remind you of some of His promises. 
It says, No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He is the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He is the Son of God. He is the center Savior. He is the centerpiece of civilization. He is unique. He is unparalleled. He is unprecedented. He is supreme. He is permanent. He is the miracle of the age. He can satisfy all your needs and He can do simultaneously. He supplies strength to the weak and He's available for the tempted and the tired. He sympathizes and He sees and He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper. He forgives the sinner. He forgives the debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the people. He blesses the young and He regards the aged. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the path of peace. He's the doorway of righteousness. He is the highway of holiness. He's the gateway to glory. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning and He is the end. He is the first. He is the last. He is the giver of life. He is the joy of every sorrow. He is the light of every darkness. He is the peace that passes all understanding. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He is the governor of the governor. He is the prince of peace. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is Emmanuel. God with us. God in us and God for us. And there is no other God. If you're willing to say, just like Mary did, God, I'm your servant. Let it be done according to your will.